Psalms, if you will, to the book of Psalms. Book of Psalms in chapter number 19. Psalms chapter number 19. I'm going to read one verse here in the Word of God and bring out a topical thought. Um, and I've got a lot of ground to cover. Um, and uh, I, I really want to try to get to the to the end, um, the the last point, the last thought that I have, and I feel like that's where the Lord wants us to focus in just a little bit, or even just mention whatever the Lord wants. But Psalm chapter nineteen. Let's all stand. We'll read one verse. So we reverence the reading of the Word of God. The Bible says, "Let the words of my mouth." Verse number 14, and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Father, we thank you for the day. Thank you for the privilege that it is to be saved by the good grace of God. Thank you for another opportunity that you've given us to be in your house, to worship with God's people and to hear the word of God. I pray that you allow us now as we stand. I ask, Lord, that your touch and your anointing would be upon the preaching of the Word of God. Lord, that you'd give us physical strength, spiritual strength. I pray, Father, that you'd give us the wisdom and the utterance, Lord, to preach. I pray that your will would be done. May the touch of God be upon this service. May you give us the instruction, Lord, and the encouragement that we need. I pray, Father, that you'd help us now. Feed our soul in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. You can be seated. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. The psalmist, of course, writing a very familiar passage of Scripture uh, concerning the words of his mouth and the meditation of his heart, and he has a desire that they be acceptable in the sight of God. And I trust that's your desire as well. Uh, that every word that would proceed from our mouth would be acceptable in the sight of God. May I preach this morning, I'm gonna, or this afternoon, this evening, I want to deal with the subject of words and uh, just bring you a topical thought on the power of words. The power of words. Uh, I want to deal with three different types of words that affect all of us. And I don't have an introduction, I'm going to jump right in this thing. Uh, but deal with three different types of words that we are all affected by and we all utilize. One of the first things, the most familiar uh, type of words that we use is the power of the spoken word. God has given every man the ability to speak and with that ability comes consequences, comes effect, comes influences uh, from those spoken words. The saying is that actions speak louder than words, and that is true. Actions do speak louder than words, but words, my friend, are extremely powerful and have a great effect. Uh, And uh, I believe you can see the power of words. I believe this, words are so powerful that God himself named himself Alpha and Omega named himself the beginning letter and the ending letter of the Greek alphabet, that, that word that, that are the letters that consist of all words, all words consist of those letters. He made sure that he was the beginning and the end of every word that was going to be made up in between. He encompasses all of that. As a matter of fact, he finally declared it in John 1 when he said in the beginning was the word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He called Himself the Word. So powerful, the gift of words that God saw fit to be pronounced, to be named the complete and living Word. That's who He is. And truly no other words were given or written uh, other than the words of life. May I say that the man has power with words. He has power to speak truth. He has the power to lie. He has the power to enlighten. He has the power to deceive. He can build up and he can tear down. He can encourage and discourage. He can influence. He can also instigate. 
He can resolve or he can cause rebellion. He can settle one or he can stir one up. He can motivate or prevent. He can promote or defeat. He can unite or divide. He can speak clearly or he can cause confusion. He can speak bluntly or speak circumspectly. He can speak good or ill. He has power with his words. I believe the power of words is summed up in one word. And that is the word persuasion. I want you to think about it. He has the ability to persuade. Everything that we do, every communication we make, it is to convey or persuade another individual of your thoughts or your intents or your motives or your actions. It is persuading men. Words have that power to persuade. The Bible tells us that there are words of truth and words of soberness. There are seducing words, good words, vain words, swelling words, blasphemous words, comforting words, wise words, flattering words, malicious words, kind words, feigned words, striving words, sound words, wholesome words, words of faith, words of life, and of course God's word. All of these revolving around our speech and the ability that we have to speak words. There are several different types of the spoken word and uh, I want to try to convey this to you real quickly. I'm trying to go somewhere. Number one, may I say, dealing with this power of the spoken word, number one, there are spiritual words that we could preach about. We could talk to you about the spiritual words of preaching. Amen. Thank God for preaching. I'm a product of preaching. Amen. I thank God for old time preaching. As a matter of fact, the, the ability that a man of God has to lift up his voice and to speak the word of God, don't you take that away from him and he's nothing. That's exactly right. Matter of fact, it was so, it's so important to God about the voice of a man of God that when he described John the Baptist, no other man greater than John the Baptist, and when he described John the Baptist, he said he was a voice crying in the wilderness. Truth is to be proclaimed, the gospel is to be lifted, and God has chosen the tool of the voice and the words of a man of God to proclaim the glad tidings that Jesus saves. So may I say, preach, hallelujah, amen. If you're called of God to preach, preach. If you're not, amen, you're a layman in the word of God, keep on telling the good news, use your voice, lift it up, and proclaim the good tidings that Jesus saves, proclaim the truths of the word of God. We need preaching in this day and hour. So man of God, preach on, amen. Isaiah said, cry loud, spare not, lift up thy voice like a trumpet, show my people their transgression, and the house of Jacob their sin. Amen. That word means to literally lift your voice up and strain. Amen. To make a noise. Amen. I'm telling you, I don't have much use for sissified preaching. Hallelujah. I want a man of God to rear back and tell me the truth. Tell me like it is. You ain't got to spit and slobber like I do. But to tell me the truth, be bold about it. Give me what the Bible says. Amen. Spare not. Don't you hold anything back on me. Amen. I need the word of God. I need you to lift your voice up and give me what the Bible says. Amen. Amen. Spiritual words of preaching, spiritual words in praise. Do you know praise involves your words? Amen. I know we love to think we can praise God in our heart and I'm glad you can. But if you've got any kind of praise in your heart, it'll come out your mouth. Amen. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. If you get it inside of your heart, it will bubble on the outside and you'll open your mouth to give praise unto God. Amen. Psalm chapter 51. Oh Lord, open thou my lips. We need that in this day. Amen. God give us some individuals. God give us some church members. God give us some mamas and daddies that are willing and pray this prayer. God open my lips and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. Yes, sir. It's good, 
Psalm 63, verse number three, because thy loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise thee. Yes. Amen. Amen. Psalms 119, 171. My lips shall utter praise when thou hast taught me thy statutes. Hebrews 13, verse number 15. By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God, of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Praise involves your words. Amen. Praise involves your words. Amen. You could do a study and look back through the New Testament when those end of, when the sick <coughs> and the afflicted would come uh, to the Lord Jesus Christ and they would fall on their face before him and worship him. Do you notice what the word of God says? They worshiped him, comma, saying. Yes. You notice that? They worshiped him saying something, admitting something, amen. They, had their, they moved their mouth, they uttered up words of praise. It was words of worship to the ears of God. So praise is spiritual words, amen. You need to learn how to open your voice. Man, it's a good time. It, I'm telling you, I love to worship God as much as the next individual. I love praising and shouting. I thank God for it. Let me tell you something. You get a good case of you can't help it, you'll never get past it, amen. I'm telling you to change you. Amen, it'll change and it'll, it'll revitalize your spiritual walk with God. Amen, that's exactly right. It'll revive you inwardly and it'll change your worship eternally. Amen, I believe that. I'm telling you, I believe heaven's gonna scare the devil out of a whole lot of people. Amen. Amen. There's words of praise. There's words in Psalms. Songs. He put a new song in my mouth. Even praise unto our God. Many shall see it and fear and trust in the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. Sing unto the Lord a new song and his praise on the congregation of saints. You know, words have songs. Or, or, or songs have words, vice versa. Words, the words in a song mean something. When's the last time you really thought about what you were singing? When's the last time you sung and the words that you were singing were offered up as praise unto God? These are spiritual words, amen. There's words in Psalms, there's words in prayer. I could preach this, but the disciples asked the Lord, teach us how to pray. And there's words that God structured in the word of God. Matthew chapter number six, there's words that he structured that give us a basis, if you will, of how you are to pray. Praying, I understand prayer does not involve in how long, the power of your prayer, the effect of it, it has nothing to do with how long you pray. It don't, it don't. Now I will tell you this, if you can pray in five minutes and, and that's, uh, that's all you got, there's probably a problem. Unless you're in, a, and I understand, unless there's something that you're specifically praying for five minutes and it's done, you know, that's moving on. But I'm telling you, I don't see how in the world you could call on God. I, I honestly, I don't have a clue how you call on God and get, and, uh, and get, and, get, and thank Him for everything He's done and try to, I try to do that. I try to glorify Him. And then I try my best to make sure my heart's right with God before I go into a service. And by the time that's said and done, I ain't got five minutes into praying. But for whatever reason, I get in the prayer rooms and we get into praying and, and whatever reason you start praying and man, I'll, I'll start praying and start and just, you know, the structure that, that, uh, in, that's based in the word of God as you begin to pray, you honor him, thy father which art, hallowed be thy name, he's glorify him. I believe that's a good way to start to prayer. Honoring him, thank him for Calvary, thank him for saving you, thank him for the privilege of being in the house of God. That's what I try to incorporate that. You don't have to, but I try to incorporate that. And when I progress through that, I get to the part where I want God to forgive me and to cleanse me because I don't care if I think of not sin or not, I'm still unworthy. I've still always come short and I still need the mercy of God. Amen. By the time that rolls around, we got at least five minutes into this thing. 
I don't understand how in the world they've stood up and they've started their conversations or walked out of the prayer room when they've done what they've done with their prayer. It makes me wonder if they got any kind of prayer life. You listen to me? Prayer's important. Now we don't emphasize it in the house of God, not anymore. But you know what he said about it? You know what he said about his church? He said, call it a house of prayer. Not a praise. Not a house of songs, not even a house of preaching. He said, call it a house of prayer. It's where people are together to pray. Well, I think we're missing out on a lot of the power of God in this day. There's no emphasis on prayer anymore. But prayer involves words. It involves it involves you glorifying him. It involves you admitting your weakness. It's involved in you depending upon him and letting him know that he's the only one who can answer your prayer. There's a lot said. There's a lot to be said about prayer in the house of God. You have to use your words. I understand you can pray from your heart. I understand that. And I understand you can pray a silent prayer. I can't, I can't do that. I'll just be honest with you, I can't do it. My mind gets too distracted. I got too much running. I can't do it. I got to pray out loud if I want to stay focused on, on what I'm trying to get my heart conveyed to the Lord. I got to pray out loud. I'll just be honest with you, I bear my heart to you, all right? I'm just preaching what the Lord put on my heart to preach. When I pray, I try to pray, and I pray from the heart, and I try my best to convey uh, my burdens unto the Lord and I'll use, now listen to me, listen to me. You can stutter around, that's all right because the spirit of God that lives inside of you, he knows, he knows what you're saying and when I get through praying, I come, I come away, man, I don't understand, I don't think my prayer, my prayer didn't get out of, get out of the, the third heaven but it didn't get nowhere. It hit, it hit the atmosphere and shot back down. You know, that's the way I felt when I got through praying. But if I believe what the Bible says, the Holy Ghost of God heard my prayer and he rearranged it all where he could present it to God. That's the duty of the Holy Ghost. Amen. That's within you. And he speaks in words and in utterances that we don't know, can't hear, don't understand. But he understands how to relate it to God what your heart is expressing. But he does, he does, obviously through the word of God, he expects you to open your mouth and pray. Amen. Because when it comes out of your mouth, let me tell you something, you know what, I'm, I'm preaching right now, okay? Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. When you, you, have you ever heard an individual, and I'm not trying to pick on anybody, I'm not trying, nothing, nothing like that. But have you ever heard an individual preacher, they call on somebody to pray and they get up there and start praying and, and you can just tell, I mean, it just, they're startled and, and they're uncomfortable. And I understand you can get nervous. I, I get nervous. I've done that too. But you can just, there's just something missing. And then you have to ask yourself in your mind, and I hate to do it, but I have to ask myself, they, do they have a prayer life? Do, do they, are they not comfortable at all with just uttering a voice of prayer unto God? Right. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You listen to me? I'm telling you, I have, and I'm not trying to be judgmental, nothing like that. I'm just telling you it's that important. You ought to have a prayer life. You ought to have a comfort level with approaching the throne of grace. And by the way, you shouldn't be near as worried about what everybody else is thinking about what you're saying as you are the holy God that you're praying to. Amen. And so that, and I'm, I'm getting distracted. I didn't mean to get distracted here, but I think I think uh, I hit a stump a little bit. I'm telling you, you need, you need to understand that God expects you to lift up your voice. Man, when you lift up your voice in prayer, it is an admission. It is a mission, number one, that you need him. I made the statement. I don't know if I may have, I may have made it here a couple of years ago. I don't know. But the silence of prayer speaks to the ears of God. I don't need you. Right, right. I've made that. Have I made that statement here? I believe I made that statement here. God gave me that several years back. But the silence of prayer speaks to the ears of God. I don't need you. And when you will be willing to lift up your voice and with the words of your mouth, let Him know that you need Him. That means something to God. Amen. Amen. So there's prayer, there's, there's words, spiritual words, and we could go on and on about that. I've got to move on. There's social words. There's social words. 
Let me give you some verses. Proverbs chapter number 29, verse number 20, the Bible says, Seest thou a man that is hasty in his words? You ever known that individual? There's more hope of a fool than of him. That's serious stuff, ain't it? I was nice this morning. This is practical preaching right now. This is where we're at. For a drink cometh through the multitude of business and a fool's voice is known by multitude of words. Amen. One writer said it this way. He said, words are like eggs dropped from great heights. You can no more call them back than ignore the mess they leave when they fall. Have you ever said something and the moment it departed from your lips, you were swinging with everything you had to grab it and put it back? Have you ever done that? I mean, as soon as you finish that that syllable, I mean, you grabbed. Please don't go in their ear. Oops. I'm guilty of that. It's amazing, we, we, we use words. I mean, words is our communication. It's the form of communication that we have. And it's amazing how loose and, and really just, just how, how free maybe we are with just spattling off at the mouth and not understanding and not taking our time to comprehend what we're saying. I am guilty of that. I will, I will speak before I think. And you'll get yourself in a whole lot of trouble that way. Are you listening to me? You hurt a whole lot of people that way. Social words, we all use them. Second Timothy chapter number two, he said, of these things, put them in remembrance. He's talking to Timothy, the pastor. He says, charging them before the Lord that they strive not about words, listen now, to no profit. But to the subverting of the hearers. Study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed by dividing the word of truth, but shun profane and vain babblings. For they will increase into more ungodliness, and their word will eat as doth a canker of whom Hymenius and uh, Philetus, for Philetus, or however you say his name. Words, profane and vain babblings. What that word there means is this, and this stunned me. All this means is this. It means empty conversations. Fruitless words. No meaning. See, that's, that's, that's where social media is at right now. We can be guilty of that just sitting around the porch and having empty conversations. Usually, it's about somebody in this day and time. And that's the truth. Usually it's, and I found that out, and I'm, I'm preaching to me now. Usually our form of empty conversation is going to be about somebody or something. or you know, it's, but, it, but, the, but the bottom line is, is in that conversation, there's no point to it. You talk bad about somebody, why don't you talk? If I understand, I understand having to sit down and, and conveying heart, heart conversation, this is what's going on, this is the problem, but this is a conveying, hey, when, in our, that conversation, there ought to be something saying, hey, we ought to pray. We need to, we need to strengthen that brother. We need to help them. I'm, you know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm not trying to talk about it. I'm saying that there's, void, but let me tell you, that social media stuff, and I understand where y'all are saying, but I'm just telling you, that social media mess. You know what that is? Empty conversations. I woke up this morning and I ate, I ate golden grams for cereal, then breakfast this morning, and I was 15 minutes late for work. Uh, oh, by the way, I bought a new pair of shoes. I bought this handbag for $350. What a deal. I really don't care. I just, I really don't care. As far as I'm concerned, all that time they just wasted tape, typing all that or texting all that, however they want to do it, that right there, it was empty. That was a word to no profit. It didn't edify anybody. 
All it was was boasting of somebody how much money you spent on a pocketbook or a pair of shoes. And all you did to the rest of the world was prove how big of an idiot you were. Amen. I'm talking about prom- now that 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 steps out of you can step that out of social media. I'm talking about in conversation. I, I'm talking about daily affairs now. This is just practical preaching, all right? You you are going to use words. You use words to convey yourself in a business setting, in as, as far as it goes, in every facet of your life. You are going to use words to communicate socially. Your words should have a profit to it. Should have a purpose for them. Because you need to understand, Matthew 12, he said, But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give an account thereof in the day of judgment. It is serious, the words that we speak. For by their words thou shalt be justified, and by their words thou shalt be condemned. Serious, serious, the words. I could go to James chapter number three. Brother, we could preach all night. Boy, that tongue is a little member. But what a great fire that tongue kindles. Amen. It is set on fire from hell and you need to understand that that power and that influence can be devastating to an individual. One wrong word in a business setting, you could ruin your testimony. You could run your testimony. Yes, sir. Guard your words. Social words. Then there's sinful words. Amen. I still believe cussing is a sin. Right. Yes. Amen. James 1.26, If a man among you seem to be religious and bright not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. Or sinful words. I could preach about slang words and everything else right there. I'm going to move on. It's power of the spoken word, power of the scripted word. Power of the scripted word. It's power in the pure words of the word of God. Amen. I love preaching, but I love this Bible. Hallelujah. The words of the Lord are pure words. Amen. Hebrews 4, verse number 12, the Bible says, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. I could preach, we could spend time, I could spend time and, and hours even defending the word of God and the King James Bible. Let me give you this though. Can I give you this thought? Y'all ain't too big of a hurry, are you? Let me give you this one little thought. Let me tell you why. Let me tell you why the King James Bible is under such an attack. Because if they can prove or or believe, even they don't even have to prove it, but if they just believe it, that there is an error, or that it is incomplete in any way, the Word of God I'm speaking of, the King James Bible that we understand is inspired and inerrant, if they can prove it or believe it then they could deny all of it. Here's, here's what blows my mind, preacher. We've been studying prophecy. And you're talking about some amazing prophecies in the Word of God. Some amazing, mind-blowing prophecies. And it is, it is amazing that prophecy is the probably one of the most prominent and promoted preachings of the charismatic movement and the non-denominational. I mean, they love prophecy. They love it. And it is backed up. It's backed up by secular history. It's backed up by a whole, it's got a whole lot of standing ground. That's what prophecy is for. It is supporting our faith. At the same time, they elevate prophecy. They believe that God, in this period of 25, 35, 4,000 years, God made a prophecy and he fulfilled it. That, and all that time passed and God fulfilled it to the They have no problem believing that. But when God said that he's going to preserve his word to every generation, for whatever reason, they have a hard time swallowing that. You know, it's not about, it's not about they don't believe that God can't preserve this word. It's about what this word says. And they got a problem with all that it's saying. Therefore, they come up with a new 
a new translation and now they can deny, and what you have found is, is they can deny the entire book now. Right. You're right. They can ignore it all. They can disregard it all. And that's their problem with the word of God. But I'm here to tell you, we have a Bible that is God-breathed. It is alive, amen, it's alive and well, praise God. It still works, and I'm thankful for the power of the word of God. But now, let me go ahead and say this to the next step. That's not the only, that's not the only form of scripted, or a scripted word that I'm talking about. There's power in the pure words of the scripture, but there's power in the perverted words of secular and scholarly writers. You need to understand this. The delivery and the powerful influence of a spoken word. This is where the power comes from, Brother John. It comes, and it's in various ways, I'm sure, but for the general part, this is how it comes. It involves a speaker and a listener. It can involve many, millions even, of listeners. But it involves a speaker conveying a message through his word to those who will listen. And of course that depends on his platform and position of, of who's listening and how many and things of that nature. But it is a speaker using his voice and somebody is opening their ears to hear what they have to say. And that's the power that it has in its persuasion and its influence. And it's hinged upon that simple fact. Somebody listens. Now, now that I say that, let me go ahead and preach this for a minute. That word that tongue that starts babbling and wants to talk about somebody, you know the only power that it has? I mean, it's destructive. You start running your mouth about somebody in a negative way, you tearing them down, and it's, it's not a, out of a burdened heart, a broken heart, and a desire to see them being restored, but you are tearing them down, discrediting them, if you will. The power that that has it is only hinged on one thing, and that is your ears. The power of the spoken word is limited when somebody would just close their ears. I never forget, my wife told me the story of Brother Sammy Allen. There was a man, and he was talking about at the dinner table, supper table, I think it was at a restaurant. And this man, this other preacher man, was running down another man of God. I mean running him down. And uh, preacher uh, Allen was, was saying, what did he do first? I'm, I'm, put his fork down, quit eating. The man didn't stop. And then he, he went on, he started uh, covering his mouth. He put his mouth, his hand over his mouth. Trying to convey to him, you need to stop talking. This man never got it. Kept on talking. And so it went from him putting the fork down, stop eating, putting his hand over his mouth. He then put his hands over his ears. When they start running that mouth, this is the best thing you can do. The other solution is a Brother David Wells solution. And that is call the individual that they're talking about and have a three-way conversation. I like that one. Amen. I like that one. So you need to understand that that word, that spoken word is extremely powerful, but it hinges on you listening. Now the power of the scripted word, it takes words to a whole other level, preacher. Something I had not considered. The spoken word, I can stop it. I can close. I don't have to listen to it. But the influence of the written word, it is heightened by the simple reason that there is an author who has prepared. He has reasoned. He has reviewed. He has revised his communication of his thoughts, opinions, and beliefs. And he's usually conveying them to an open, curious, and vulnerable mind of a reader. The communication is one way. You don't get to say nothing back. You don't lift up your voice and argue. It is one way. It's, it's entrance. It's not through the ears, but it is directly to your mind and your imagination. 
the communication that uh, that it is in, in, in that direction, in that one way. It engages the reader individually, although that can be spread to millions, but it is one-on-one conversation with one direction of communication when you read. That's why the Word of God is so powerful. It is God, in one way, speaking to me. But when you pick up another book of a perverted scholar or whoever else, uh, of a social-minded individual, you pick up a book and their ideals, even, let me tell you something, even the so-called Christian authors, when they convey their lax beliefs or standards or convictions and they play around with sin and every last one of them do, when they toy around with your beliefs and your convictions, it will communicate a question mark. Matter of fact, men, when I study the Word of God, and I just say this because I say it everywhere when I, I've preached this message, and I've preached it just a couple of times, but let me tell you something. When I study the Word of God, I don't mind borrowing from men's brains, as my pastor would put it. I don't mind studying after other men. I don't have a problem with that. But when I go in looking at a commentary, I, I make it a rule. I make sure I have my own idea first of what, what the truth is speaking to me about. And then I go in, when I read it, I go in believing I'm right and they're wrong. Now, if I get in reading and studying, I find out they may be more right than I am, and that's fine with me, or it might deepen or, or heighten that truth that I've tried to grasp in any way. But I'm just here to tell you, there have been times I have studied and believed and know what I believe and studied and God revealed truth to me. I look at a commentary and I'm going, man, they missed it. But that's all right. That'll keep you keep you from having your mind being swayed by men. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. You know him. I ain't going to call his name. But the evangelist in our church, he is no, he's not on the road. And he's, he's never not been in church for nearly a year and God's done everything to wake him up and it's not done anything. It's only promoted further questions and further distractions. But let me tell you where it started. Can I tell you where it started? Yes, sir. It started, as one man put it, one of his best friend put it, it started when he started sitting at the seat of the scornful. When he sat down with a bunch of agnostics and atheists in an online room and started communicating and arguing. Now, he entered into this thing in this arena to defend the gospel and defend the faith. But in effort to try to get an upper hand, he grabbed a hold of a bunch of books written by agnostics and, and even atheists to try to get an understanding of what they believed and why they believed it. And instead of being able to defend our faith, he threw it up in question. Now why in the world you would ever try to, to stoop to their level to try to understand what they believe is beyond me. But when you get that form of communication in every form of literature, it is one way. It's going directly to your mind and your imagination. And once it gets in there, it ain't coming out easy. That's right, Brody. Yes, sir. Are you listening? It's the power of, of the written word in, in every form, in every form. Let me tell you something. There's no sense. Let me, let me go ahead and make this statement right here. You know the best way to defend your faith? Study what you know is right. You don't gotta, I don't have to study other denominations to know they're wrong as long as I know I'm right. Does that make sense? If I know I'm right... That's all I need to know. I don't have to know their ins and outs. All I have to do is when it's conveyed to me, that's wrong. This is right. And you'll keep yourself out of a whole lot of trouble that way. Amen. 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 So there's power. By the way, there's a lot said about preaching, teaching, and speaking in the Word of God in the wisdom which man's wisdom teacheth. That's a good study right there. There's power. 
power in the scripted word. I'm going to give you this lastly and I'm done. One more form of words that has a direct effect and influence in each and every one of our lives. The power of the silent word. The power of the silent word. You see, Proverbs chapter number 23, verse number 7 says this, For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. You see, there's a communication going on in each and every one of our hearts and minds and our lives that no one has any clue about. You can't detect the conversation that I have within me. It's a conversation that is directly correlated between my heart and my mind. It is a conversation within me. The power of the spoken word is an individual, an orator, as he would speak to a listener. The power of that scripted word is that one directional channel where an author, a prepared author, is conveying ideas and beliefs and imaginative, uh, imaginative uh, scenarios to a reader. But the silent word is just you communicating to you. power of its influence is simply understood like this, Brother Ben. It is you persuading you. And Brother Jason, no one can persuade you like you can. No one can convince you more than like you can. No one can motivate you like you can. That's why there's such power in self-deceiving, self-deceit. You see, in that conversation as maybe, maybe for an example, in that conversation deep inside of you, there is a truth that is called into question. Oh, you never speak it. You would never verbally admit it to anyone but it's inside of you. And in that form of communication, your heart is in doubt of that truth. Here's the danger. The closest friends you have in the world don't know what's going on. Your wife don't know that conversation that's going on. Your husband don't know that, that battle and the turmoil that is taking place inside of you because it's within. And the danger is, is that if you're wrong and if you're persuaded to be wrong inside of your heart, I can't refute it. I can't argue against it. I can't defend the truth that you're doubting. To understand the power of the silent word that it has. Isaiah chapter number 14 tells us this. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground which didst weaken the nations? Notice. For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation of the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heavens or above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. The power of the silent word, preacher, is exemplified in the being of Satan himself. Because with the conversation that Satan had in his own heart, he convinced himself that he could exalt himself and be just like God. 
He deceived his own heart with his silent word. The fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none that doeth good. The fool hath said in his heart. But John, he didn't say that out loud. Not this man. I know there's, there's idiots out there that claim there's no God and they'll vocalize it. But this man ain't saying that. Not out loud. See, I, I'm afraid that these individuals are in churches. Oh, they'll sing and they'll shout and they'll sit on the pew and say amen to the preaching, but deep inside of their heart, I don't know if there's really a God. And the conversation within them finally boils down to a point, whether it's through circumstances, whether it's through troubles and, and, and heartaches, whether it's through great sorrow. A voice cries out, you know there's no God. They never would say it. But I'm talking about silent words that you ain't hearing. And preacher, there's no amount of preaching that you can do to help them. You can keep on preaching, keep on telling them the truth. But preaching will never trump the voice inside of your own heart. Don't believe me? I can march man of God after man of God after man of God up here and here's what he's going to tell you. There was something wrong. There was, there, was, there was something taking place long before they left, long before they destroyed their own life. Something was going on way before. Oh, did they hear preaching? Yeah. Did the man of God see the signs? Yeah. Did he preach to them? Absolutely. Did he pray for them? Yes, he did. Did he sit down and talk with them? Yes, he did. Did it do any good? Because somebody wasn't guarding what was going on inside. The heart is deceitful above all things. And desperately wicked. Who can know it? Silent words. Silent words of deception. Silent words of dissatisfaction. Are you listening to me? I hope I got your attention. This is my heart right now. Solomon said this in Ecclesiastes 2.1. He said, I said in my heart, go to now, I will prove thee with mirth. Therefore enjoy pleasure and behold. This is also vanity. Ecclesiastes 2.15 then said, I in my heart, as it happened to the fool, so it happened even to me. And why was I then more wise? Then I said in my heart, that this is also vanity. Over and over and over in Solomon's life as he has everything that he could ever want. Over and over and over he has to say this is vanity. This is vanity. It's all vain. It's all empty. Has no meaning. Has no purpose. Let me tell you something. Solomon died a dissatisfied man having everything. I'm telling you, you can work in the conversation of your heart now. God could give you everything you've ever needed or wanted. And if, you're, if, that, if that conversation is not held in check and guarded, you'll find yourself completely dissatisfied with everything God's given you. The silent words of disbelief. Abraham, you're going to have a son. Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said in his heart, shall a child be born unto him that's 100 years old? Shall Sarah, that is 90-year-old, bear? You know who just told him he was going to have a son? God did. Personally. Personally visited Abraham and let him know he's going to have a son. 
and he laughed. He'd been holding on to a promise a whole, a long time, many years after he left the land of the earth of the Chaldees. He, he left that land. He took off. He kept believing God. God was going, but year after year after year had went on, prolonged and prolonged. And now God's finally ready to do something. And now deep inside of his heart, is, that's impossible. He done waited too late, God. You know what it was? That, that, that reaction, I understand they're in the hall of faith. I understand that. Their faith was tested more than ours probably would ever be. But I'm here to tell you, that, did not, that response did not just happen instantly. That was a result of a conversation within him that had been a long time coming. Silent words of disquieting. The psalmist said, Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted in me? That word disquieted, it means noise. It means a racket. It means, it means an upheaval, a distraction. In other words, it is a, as a crowd is gathered. In other words, there is a voice that is calling for my attention. There are voices, if you will, and it's all bringing about great confusion and there is an unrest in my soul because of silent words. Silent words of defeat. David had been given the anointing of God to be king. God was going to give him the throne. He had slain Goliath and won battle after battle after battle in charge of all the armies of Israel with men that were loyal to him to the death. And yet we understand in Saul's wrath and jealousy that David had to flee from the presence of Saul. Yet God over and over and over again delivered him even when David did things that he should not have such as running to the Philistines. God gave him deliverance. And the just on the eve of once again, God giving him deliverance from the hand of Saul, sparing his life again, and David could have slain him. He could have killed him. But David spared his life. And the very moment God gave him victory, and gave him deliverance. Here's what David said. David said in his heart, I shall now perish one day by the hand of Saul. Just after God had given him again deliverance, this point in time, David was so defeated by the conversation that he was having inside of his own heart that even though God worked a miracle in his behalf and even though God had promised him and already anointed him to be king, this point in matter, this point in time, that, that didn't even matter. The moment right now that David is facing, that didn't matter. It's astounding to me, but we are like this, preacher. We can get in such a place internally with the desires of our heart and what God has promised to you and me, what God has conveyed for us in the purpose and the will of God, and we are waiting or we are believing, and yet battle after battle after obstacle after obstacle, and God constantly and consistently brings about deliverance, and yet at the end of the day, because of the conversation within us, we find ourselves defeated, we find ourselves ready to give up 
on the plan and the dream and the purpose and the desires of our hearts. The desires that God has given us. The plans that he has laid out for our life. It's amazing. It doesn't matter. Man, there's a host of, there's a host of subjects we could talk about. I mean, but I, I, and I'm, I'm, gonna be, I'm being very vague, but I'm telling you, there, there are plans that you have and there are dreams that you have. Uh, 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 the church and, and your home and the family, your children, all these plans, all these dreams. And God, you know God is gonna give you those things and you desire it with all of your heart and yet obstacle after obstacle after obstacle and yet... And deep inside of you after everyone, even though God's given deliverance, even though God's showing himself real and reassuring you, hey, I'm taking care of this. After everyone, because of the conversation that you're having within your heart and the man of God's encouraging, the people of God are encouraging and they're strengthening, it doesn't even matter because deep inside of your heart where nobody else can hear and nobody else knows there's a conversation. I'm going to die. This is never going to work. Silent words have a great power. There's some positives of silent words. Silent words of deliverance. You don't you can monitor that conversation, you can direct that conversation. Silent words of your heart. You see, Hannah, she was praying for deliverance, praying for God to do a miracle. And in spite of every obstacle that she was facing, she chose to pray and believe God. And the conversation that of her heart was one in a prayer, a silent prayer. Her mouth moved. No words came out. Eli thought she was drunk. But the Bible says she spake in her heart. And it was a prayer and a vow that was given to God that God heard. And because of that voice, that communication from that heart of faith, God sent deliverance. Their silent words of delight meditation and study. You know that can be a form of silent words. Guard that conversation now. I mean, I can't, I can't help you in that regard. I'm preaching about it. This is as close as I can get. Warn you that if you do not monitor the words in your heart and the conversation that you have, you can find yourself in deep trouble. But here's what you can do. You can monitor that conversation and govern that conversation with a study in the Word of God. Psalms 1-1, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. That is a conversation, Brother Jason. That is a study, a conversation within his heart. Paul said, I delight in the law of God after the inward man. That's internal. That's a conversation, meditation of study, the melody of songs. Amen. You can speak to yourself in your heart through songs. Did you know that? Ephesians 5, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. What are you saying to your heart when you sing? Most people's countenance, you can tell what they're saying to their heart when they sing. Silent words of divinity or deity. Silent words of, of God. You see, those silent words, it's, there's a lot of negatives there and a lot of danger, and so I hope I've warned you in that regard. But there is a positive to those silent words of your heart. You can find deliverance. You can find delight inside in that conversation. 
But let me give you this, Kings 19, verse number 11. And he said, go forth, Elijah speaking, and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by. A great and strong wind rent the mountains and breaking pieces the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. You know what that word means? Silent. And it was so when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entering in of the cave. And behold, there came a voice unto him and said, What doest thou here, Elijah? The still, silent, small voice of God was louder than the wind, more moving than the earthquake, and more stirring than the fire. That's how real the voice of God is. I've experienced that voice that day of conviction when God, the voice of God, spoke to my heart. I've experienced that voice in communion as I fellowship with Him. Jesus said, For this call I came I unto the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth, and everyone that is of truth heareth my voice. I've experienced the voice of correction, the voice of conforming, the voice of His calling. Hard to believe. Hard to believe, but this past October, I've enjoyed 15 years of preaching the gospel. I remember the day the voice of God spoke to me and called. The voice of His control. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. The voice of His comfort. The voice of His cheer. And the voice of His coming. Amen. If any man have an ear, let him hear that voice that's coming. I believe that still small voice is going to be pretty close to what the trumpet's going to sound like. People of God that are in tune to His voice will hear it. And they will not be taken by surprise. The voice, silent voice. That silent conversation that you're having. That struggle. What you need to do tonight is get it on the altar before God and then take control of that conversation by one prayer, study, and listening to that still, small voice of God. <coughs> Guard that silent voice. Guard our words. Guard our words. Utilize them to promote the gospel, the preaching, promoting praise, promoting Him. Utilize them, but guard them, watch them. Be careful of what you read and allow to influence your mind and your beliefs in every form. But guard, oh, guard your heart. Guard the voice. If I'm reading my Bible right, for as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And that heart's deceitful above all things. That heart has the ability to deceive. It has the ability apparently to speak. You better be careful what your heart's saying. Who can know it? It's deceitful above all things. And it's desperately wicked. Get your, in, get your ears in tune to God. Govern that silent conversation, that silent voice. Govern it with prayer. Govern it with the Word of God. You can govern it with praise. I talked to you about that. You can govern it in praise. Sing and make a melody in your hearts to the Lord. That's in your heart. And you need to govern it with the voice of God, making sure you're in communion with Him. Amen. Let's all stand, every head bowed, every eye closed. I want my wife to come and play if she can. Maybe sing something. What's taking place deep inside of your heart tonight?
What kind of battle are you facing deep inside that nobody else knows about? What kind of doubt, what kind of fear has, has seized you? You dissatisfied tonight? You struggling with disbelief? Constantly living in defeat? All because deep inside of your heart there's a voice that we can't hear. We struggle to try to defend. I'm telling you, it's serious. most powerful thing I believe that God has given the church is preaching. I believe that. The word of God and preaching of it. To them that are saved, it is the power of God. But I'm here to tell you the silent voice inside of you will combat even preaching. You better guard that. 